What's going on, everybody? Appreciate y'all tuning in for episode two of The Tipping Point. I'm your boy, Dashaun Lamar, your host, as always. Appreciate y'all rocking with me on the first episode. It was a little nerve-wracking here in the studio, but it was fun to get on the mic and uh, drop some knowledge. So again, for those of y'all that don't know what The Tipping Point is, The Tipping Point's a state of mind. Uh, more recently, my state of mind and also the state of mind of the urban, quote-unquote, demographic across the U.S., uh, you know, reaching a point where you feel like, you know, you might have to shake some or some might have to break uh, for things to change for you. So instead of bottling up those feelings and emotions, we come here in the lab, we talk current events, we throw in a little bit of uh, flavor and some spice and uh, yeah, kick it with some really dope people here. Let them get some things off their chest and have a good time. Uh, so today's guest uh, is is a very, very special guest uh, with me here today. Uh, this is... My big brother, uh, this is a dude that has really helped uh, mold and shape some of the work that I've done here in the Charlotte market, has, you know, always had my back. Whenever I've come up with some type of crazy over-the-top idea, he's always been able to temper that and kind of help me sharpen that into the weapon that it needs to be to uh, execute the way that we need to. Uh, and just all around good-ass dude. If you if you hear, uh, you know, from the city of Charlotte and you've met this guy or if you've seen him out and about in other places... Uh, you, you know that this dude is my A1, you know, uh, day one ace, you know what I'm saying? Uh, business partner in the game. Uh, it's my man, Philly Frank, y'all. Philly Frank, what up? What up? What up? What it is. What it is. Yo, I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Just for real, for real, we've, we've done some good work here. And like you said, A1 status here. Yes, sir. You know, from, from taking it back to them SMG days, the oh, infamous. man, the infamous, the infamous SMG days. Look, and then my man is sitting here with the behind the bar hoodie, so he's repping the team. Gotta represent you know, the team. There would be no behind the bar if there if it wasn't for Philly Frank. I mean, you know, <laughs> behind the bar still still got championships and accolades and stuff, and looking forward to continuing that championship reign once the world gets right. Mm-hmm. It's been a little bit difficult with this thing called COVID running around. Yeah, COVID, COVID kind of fucked the game up a little bit for us. It's like having a serial killer on the loose. You know okay. what I mean? And it's just like running around and you don't know who it's about to kill next or how many people it's about to kill, but it's just running around murking people yeah. and stabbing people up with, 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 with the infections. And it's crazy because a lot of people still think this is a game for, for whatever reason or they don't, they don't, you know, maybe they haven't experienced loss or don't know somebody that that's how people act or... with an actual serial killer too it could be a serial killer <laughs> running around the city and people just partying and chilling going to their car without <laughs> nobody without no pistol yeah. you know what i mean yo your mask is your pistol you know what i'm saying like yeah. that's that's a little bit of protection hand sanitizer soap like these are weapons against this enemy that's killing our fellow americans and people worldwide not killing as many people worldwide as it's killing in america because of the american political ecosystem which is a word I'm going to keep going back to throughout today's conversation. Look, and you know, the funny thing about us as Americans is like we justify how we live or do, you know, certain things. So like we, we've, we've come to a way of, of living with this virus, but, you know, we, we justify our actions and how we act out in public based on like I, I wore my mask. I, I put on my hand sanitizer. Well, it don't matter if you were shoulder to shoulder in the club with 37 other <laughs> in the corner. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 just funny. Or <clears throat> like, um, I was listening to one of my homeboys. He was a DJ, and he was telling me about how um, at the spot he was spinning at on the DJ booth, he 
put up these signs and the sign says if you can read this you're too close <laughs> and above where the DJ plays there's a big neon sign that says no requests but people will still make their way up there to try and like request or like be up there in the DJ booth with the DJ and brothers like nah like you know step back you know people don't have any respect for other people's personal space or their own well-being or it's, it's you're absolutely correct and so you know having just gotten off the project that I got off of yeah um I'm gonna break it down for for the listeners a little bit without going too deep in the weeds yeah so because of the environment of covid bartending was just not going to happen at a certain point and so I was sitting at home getting those unemployment checks with the extra money figuring out what, what's next you know mm-hmm. how am I going to get back into bartending what's going to happen with bartending and legit what happened was once the people started storming the steps of the capitals and stuff yeah. demanding that stuff get reopened and stuff started to reopen I was like I'm not dealing with this nonsense I'm not dealing with people not wearing masks I'm not dealing with people banging on the table I'm not dealing with people not tipping I see who wants to come back and who wants to stay at home Yeah, I'm not doing that and then furthermore I was like you know what fuck these people I want to fight them in some way Right. Okay. I can't go out in the streets and just scrap them. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, can't, you can't just go out in the street and throw hands. I can't. But, I, you want but I want to be on the opposite side of your nonsense. I nice. want to fight you. So, having been somebody that's been in the political arena, yeah, for years I didn't want to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, for years I was like, this is heavy. I'm not in politics. It's not something I want to do. It's not something I want to deal with. I don't feel like fighting these people. Yeah. I don't feel like fighting for <laughs> any of this. Mm-hmm. So I went to bartender, but now that they took my bartending away and then they want to reopen it on their terms, I'm like, let's fight. And the arena was the political one. I was like, let's go to the political arena. Yeah. And let's try and deal these people a loss because their way of doing things is trash. And if it continues, people are going to die. Yeah. So that's, it kind of was like, let's beef. And so I ended up starting, well, I, I began with phone calls. Right. Trying to dispel this misinformation. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. So you started making phone calls, like, just personally, or you were talking No, with... it, was, it was that telemarketing job. It was like ah, the political okay. telemarketing job. Just, just you know? for our viewers. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, know that. I got so, you. Um, so one of the... One... I was one of those people that was calling you, bugging you, asking <laughs> if you were going to, you know, vote this year, if you were going to vote by mail. You know, do you know who Cal Cunningham is? Do you know who Joe Biden is? You know, I couldn't initiate... Trump is trash but if people said Trump is trash I could listen and ask them questions and talk to them and make them really be like yeah Trump is trash some people they they were like Trump all day and I'd be like thank you click that's what I was supposed to do <laughs> it was like nah I ain't listening to this nah but it was really interesting because what I learned right away we were calling people in the community yeah I was working for a black progressive action coalition if you know what those are or what that is or whatever yeah, but as far as that, I was working for one of these black packs that really is hyper focused on black communities in swing states. Okay, so your Michigans, your Charlottes, your Pittsburghs, your Tallahassees—you know what I mean? Yeah, trying to talk to black voters to get black voters to vote and and know what's going on. And right away, you get met with the misinformation and the nonsense. 
that everybody else is kicking, you know? Yeah, that's one of the biggest things I think about our society today is like everything's so accessible. And whether it's true or false doesn't really matter. Um, I, I read this study one time and they were talking about how if somebody reads like a, a fact or a piece of data that they perceive to be fact, and then they ingrain that within themselves, it becomes extremely difficult to shift their perception or their way of thinking to the point where even if you come to them with more facts disproving their thought process, they believe that you're manufacturing and it only reinforces what they believed in the first place, that, that you're manufacturing lies to discredit what they know per se. Think of how dangerous that is. Like, that's really scary that we live in a society where the more information and facts and science you give certain people, <laughs> the more they retreat away from it and dig that's into the opposite that. of that. And so you live Cap. in this... Hey, <laughs> I mean, you know what's so crazy about this is that <clears throat> this is America. And what a lot of people don't realize is the lives of black people in America is still one of the engines that drive this cultural experience for everyone overall. Yeah. And it's political be black, experience. but nobody want to be black. It's it's hard because who wants to deal with all of that nonsense? But the greatness is still apparent, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like why not just hijack the good parts and leave off the bad parts, you know? But when yeah. you're black, you don't have that ability. ability. You still have to deal with the bad parts constantly in order to hope to get the good parts. Right. And that still continues today. And it's even more apparent in 2020 to me, not just from the project that I was working on, but just the 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 exposition of how we view the presidency in America based off of Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Specifically. Yeah. Like President Barack there's, there's Obama. There's a huge dichotomy there. It's a, so <laughs> large and glaring. Like, he really did things the right way, no scandal, was intelligent, engaged. But they still, they still lied on him and said this. And, and they did treated that. him like trash. They treated him like trash. They, anything he did, like, the very idea that Donald Trump gets away with stuff that Barack Obama would never get away with has become a cliche. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's the truth. We can't, we, we can't even go into that. But, but it's the truth. Think about what's going on right now. Imagine if Barack Obama was the president of the United States and he said, I have evidence that Russia has interfered in this election and this election is way too close and there is no way I am going to let Donald Trump be president without making sure every single vote is counted. Every single vote is counted. Now... That's what Donald Trump is saying he's doing right now. And he's the president, so he has the right to do that. But right. he also is talking about his fraud, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and that these votes don't count with no evidence. With no evidence. Look. So imagine if Barack Obama had not done the second part, had not said it was fraud, had not been like I, Hillary Clinton won or any of that other stuff, mm -hmm. but just said, before we award the presidency to this man, this guy. There would have been an uproar. We are going to make sure every vote counts in every state. And they had the money, unlike Trump right now. He can't even afford the recounts that he wants. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to, like, raise money on the sly so that he can still get votes recounted because that's the politics of it. He has to pay right. for it. He don't even have the money for that. Yeah. 
Barack Obama and them had the money for it, had the fight, had some Russian evidence yeah. to support these claims, and yet didn't do it. And that that as much represents the the dichotomy of having a Barack Obama versus a Donald Trump. Not only are there things that he wouldn't do, you know what I mean? Yeah. There are things that he couldn't do, but there's things that he just didn't do. Yeah. Because he's not that type of person. <laughs> it's funny because, like, you know, when you when you look at it, I've always seen, even prior to the presidency, you know, and sue me if you if you hate me for saying this, whatever. This ain't the podcast for you anyway. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, I always felt like Donald Trump was a petulant baby bitch, and this this goes way back, and and this has had nothing to do with his presidency initially, but just like his mannerisms in public, his representation on television. You know, this was a guy who was a quote-unquote businessman and a reality star. And so, for me, initially leading up to that first vote with him coming into the office, it, it kind of threw me for a loop because I was like, you know, I'm going to get out and do my job. But in my mind, there was no conceivable way that this person could could win this vote. And what what's really kind of upset me this last time around and like I said, we're diving into the into the meat and potatoes of the main topic for today. It's it's I voted. Now what? Now what? Now what? Uh, what what really kind of concerns me or, or throws me for a loop is I think initially I just couldn't. I've always felt like the president had to be representative of the best of what this nation has to offer. <laughs> well, I mean, I, well, I know I feel you. No, he should. He should. He should. Should being the operative word. And not saying that all of our presidents have in the past, but the idea is that the person that is representing this great nation should be indicative or representative of the best of us. Yes. This man entered the White House in scandal from sleeping with, you know, porn stars, porn paying stars, off money. That's paying that's, off money. That's that's mafioso shit. And the irony <laughs> is that's that's the number one reason he don't want to leave the White House. I'm telling you, that's the number one reason he like I ain't leaving because that one there where he gave the porn star the bag and admitted it on TV, that's a problem for him. Yeah. People have already turned. Michael Cohen and served his time for that. He's yeah. he's the unnamed defendant, you know yeah. what I mean? The Cody, he the Cody like in the Jay Z nine six round, bro. Yeah, but see and see what 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 throws me what throws me is like I remember when he first got elected or when when he was when he was president elect, and they were doing these interviews with people out in like Alabama somewhere. Interesting, yes. yes. And this and they were like, do you not have a problem with the fact that your president isn't this polished individual? She was like, I ain't polished. Why should he have to be? And certain, it, 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 it reminds me of a of a joke that uh, what was it? Chris Rock had said, uh-huh. and it was like, "There's certain jobs where you can't have no bad apples." Like, oh, there's always a bad apple in the bunch. And he was talking about police. Yeah, and he was police. like, he was like, it's, yeah. one, "It's certain jobs you can't have no bad yeah, apples. No like, bad you apples. just got to be thorough with this shit. You got to be able to do what it is that you do." And you know, obviously, a lot of people who live in you know certain rural areas and you know certain have certain ideologies like follow this man but it's still like it blows me away that 55 percent of white women voted for trump i don't know why see here's the reality of the matter and this is digging into the weeds but i love it america has been built off of racism and oppression for minorities for years and now that finally there's a leader who's kind of willing to represent white greatness like 
people are tired of hearing about black greatness and Latin greatness and stuff. They think and, or white unity. people are pretty great, or or unity for that matter. I'm not even I'm not even gonna get to that part yet. Okay, I do I I, I want to frame it as like first before I get into the super racist. Yeah, I'm getting into like the just unfortunately covered in racism. You know what okay. I mean? And so at a certain point, they're like white people are great though. And y'all not acting like white people are great. And and <laughs> Donald Trump is like white people are great. And they're like, yes, thank finally somebody willing to say white people are great. And so he's representing these these like he's giving them shout outs in Alabama. Yeah. And what's worse to me is he don't care about you in Alabama. No, he, he doesn't. He really doesn't. But he's shouting you out, and that matters to them. Right. They love that shout out. They love being acknowledged. And you know what I mean? And as the true Americans that they perceive themselves to be, even though, as you say, you know, you would think the president should represent the great parts of America. To to different people, that means different things. Facts. Yeah. And so what is American greatness? The people that think the Confederate flag is American greatness for some reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, like, okay, that shit blows me still. So we we just drove up. Me and my wife just drove up to Asheville for some events up there. And on the way, we saw had to be three or four com- large Confederate flags. Yo, people really be rocking with this Confederate flag. And, like it, it's- and it blows me because I'm like, bro, you can't ride through Germany, like, waving your swastika. Like, you can't. <laughs> and, and, but... You know, we talk about, okay, we talk about censorship and freedom and, and shit like that and not wanting to be censored. But there are certain things that are so universally offensive. And it's, but again, it, this is America. And that's what, that's why people are mad. Because no, they don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? The idea of raising your Confederate flag, you know, is important to American freedoms and values and stuff like that. Even though it means that it is seditious behavior. Yeah. Even though it means that it is criminal, treasonous behavior. It's treason. You couldn't... (laughs) You couldn't run up on King Henry to whatever the fuck if whatever it was with no England flag and, you know, or, or... or French flag, wherever they were. You couldn't roll up to Napoleon's crib with no English flag talking about, nah, it's heritage, bruh. They wasn't riding for that shit. They'll cut your head off. And so that's, that's the, and that's, that's, but these are the battles that are going on right now. Let me go back to this political ecosystem, right? Facts. Okay. What you really have is this Trump voter takeover, which I call the Fox News crowd. That's what I call it. They've been Facts. around for a while. They, the, 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 the country club crew. But the angry for no reason country club crew, like they yeah. good, they yeah. good in life, and they still mad about invisible terrorists in Bush and invisible Mexicans rapists and you know invisible Antifa. Like they ain't, they don't deal with none of that. You yeah. know what I mean? They live in a, like those two people, the lady with the mustard on their shirt and the pistol, and the dude had the machine gun. Yeah, when they were marching and they yeah. were in front of the house. Finally, some people marched in front of their yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And automatically, they pulled the pistol out and the machine yeah. gun. They still safe. Like, if the go-down goes <laughs> down, they shooting people with the machine gun and the pistol, and they mansion. You yeah. know what I mean? So, it's funny that they just get so hyped up by this. But the this identity politics that gets played mm-hmm. is effective because of the simple fact that these people 
historically have voted, and now they're turning out more of that vote. Yeah. More people are building on that coalition. Republicans have always voted and always voted Republican, but now you're getting more Republicans that will always vote and always vote Republican. So, so you know what, what, um, what's interesting to me is that brings up the idea of escalation. <laughs> and what I, and what I mean by that is, um, so again, I'm a, I'm a music guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a beverage guy, but I'm also a nerd at heart. I, I still like my comics to a degree. I don't sit around the house. Nerd and read stuff them. is fantastic. You know, Science. I don't sit around the house every day and read them. But so uh, this this week, I was um, so you know I got a, I got the seed. So I'm introducing yes, my kid to Batman and Spider Man and Superman oh, and all the of that. superstars, especially yeah. Batman and Spider Man. So yeah. there's this. Uh, Let's get it. There was an issue of Batman that came out this week. Or actually, there was one that came out like a couple months ago, but there was one that came out this week, and they both referenced the same thing, and it was Escalation. So it was Batman versus Deathstroke. Ooh. And Batman was like, look, everything I try to do to save this city, y'all keep coming up with new shit, and then I got to keep coming up with new shit to beat y'all at the shit that y'all came up with. And the dude looked at him and was like, well, don't pretend like you wasn't the one that escalated the shit first. He was like, at first it was thugs and robbers and, you know, niggas killing people in alleyways. He was like, and you struck fear in their hearts. So then the rest of us had to figure out how to step our game up to combat you. It's kind of the same thing with these politics because the way I look at it is, if you look at, like, the election of Barack Obama and then you look at his, you know, eight years worth of tenure and the amount of people that showed up and showed out for the Republican Party, and people, and some people didn't even necessarily believe in Donald Trump necessarily, but they believe so wholly in the values of the Republican Party that they voted specifically there. And what threw me off was um, we look at this election of just the past couple weeks with Joe Biden, and Joe Biden won more popular votes than any president in the history of the U.S. presidency. True. But the vote itself was still so monumentally close to, to, to a certain degree. It's not, I'm not talking electoral college votes, the 3-0, whatever. I'm talking about the popular vote, the public vote, the individuals that are showing up. But like you said, there's kind of this escalation of they have more people coming out in droves. We need to drive more of our people out in droves to combat the people that they're getting off their asses and out of their houses in droves to do this. So I, I don't want to go too in the weeds for the people, but I want to break it down a little bit for the people. Because the issue is that as it stands now, demographics are so important. It still comes back to numbers. Education, rural. Well, that's thinking? the issue. Those, those are the things that dictate. But ultimately, your, your voice, your vote, your representation is about numbers Mm -hmm. and it's both a national and a local issue and so as a result it still comes down to who has the best numbers so people are fighting over these numbers they're fighting like they're there it is like a gang war right now where it's like i'm red and you're blue and we're fighting over these numbers and when you talk about escalation the Republicans are great at escalation. The yeah. Democrats are bad at responding to escalation because they're scared of the, the escalation. Yeah. And Republicans rip the Band-Aid off constantly. Mm-hmm. They're like, 
we're going to push through Supreme Court people and we're going to hold back your Supreme Court people. And we're going to, this time, support the president in unfounded claims about who won the election. You talk about escalation. This is literally dangerous political escalation because what escalation means is you get to a point you've never been to before. Right. And so it's it's like, to me, it's funny because I, I'm a movie guy. Right. And so I was watching old movies I'd never seen before. And one of them was um, um, Rebel Without a Cause. Okay. With the boy James Dean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd never seen this movie before. I'm like, I'm going to check it out because it's on HBO Max. And I'm looking for something I haven't seen. Bruh, they were savage. (laughs) Savage. First, they start bullying your man. It, the movie starts out there in jail for all kind of nonsense. They think the little girl is a prostitute. He didn't been drunk and knocking heads off of um, parking meters and stuff. <laughs> he goes to school. He's new. They like, nah, bro, we don't even fuck with you, bro. Yeah. And he like, I'm just minding my business. And they like, you not minding your business no more, are you? Next thing you know, they go on a field trip and they knife fighting. Out here like, yo, it's beef. Pull out the knife. Here go the knife. He like, you calling me chicken? They like, yeah, we calling you chicken. He fighting with the knife. Then this leads to escalation. Mm -hmm. They drive the car and they got to jump out the car before the car goes off the cliff. Yeah. And the buddy can't get out the car. Oh, shit. And the car, I'm not going to say whether he live or not live. But I'ma leave it on that. Escalation. Like they they driving, two people driving, and one is like, I can't get out the car. And I'm like, this is wild. <laughs> and I love movies like that because it's the escalation happens. Yeah. But in real life, that escalation is dangerous. Yeah. And it feels like this is what's constantly going on. Every time you look, politics is getting more escalated. Racial politics is getting more escalated. The police shootings, it's more escalation. The direness of the economy, it's more escalation, you know? Mm-hmm. For the first time ever, we got a situation where it's hard enough to be in the service industry. Yeah. So now this pandemic comes <clears throat> and people's businesses are disappearing. Yeah. So you talk about escalation. There's always been businesses that close, but now like this cloud. At the rate of the rate that they're closing is crazy. It, you, you, what, what's, what's wild to me is like, you know, we, we t- a lot of people from that particular wing or who believe wholeheartedly in the values of that we'll talk about like the current stock market you know the stock market has closed higher than it's ever closed before this and that and the third and it's like while that may be true the everyday average american everyday average human being that lives on this earth has dealt with some very interesting challenges over the last year let's be 100 percent clear about that just because the Amazons and you know Walmarts of the world have seen exponential increase in their revenues and their stock values and the S&P 500s and the Nasdaq and you know what, what not have have driven themselves to peaks and, and highs does not indicate the well-being of the everyday average human. Now I'm I'm one of those people that's lucky that like I haven't wanted for anything during this pandemic. I haven't made the same money that I'm used to making. Even now in the job that I'm in right now, I don't make the same money that I made when I was working doing my last gig. But 
you know, we're not without food. We're not without, you know, lights or water or whatever it may be. We're not struggling week to week. But there is a period for a lot of people during this time frame that struggled in a lot of ways. And it's funny because the game of politics is painting narratives. Even through the pandemic, we're doing fantastic. We're doing this. We're doing that. But then other numbers tell a different story. That's exactly what it is, though, because the painting of the narratives part is the the crucial key to these politics. You know what I mean? Um, these people don't know what's going on in your life. They flat out do not know. And that's something that needs to just to really shake people a little bit more to do things like vote, to do things like think about who your politicians are, to do things like run themselves. Yeah. Um, what has happened is. Winston. I'm saying though that that's how this this that what's going on now is encouraging but discouraging because on both sides you have this unhappiness with the government mm-hmm. and that's important. The reason it's encouraging is because you're getting actual people voting on both sides that aren't just the same old rich people or lawyers or people that can afford it or know enough about it you're getting but but the current voting system is outdated if we're being honest it is but it isn't it is but it isn't because even though something is outdated by now it's established and so you should know what it is and so theoretically even if the method is outdated the method is what it is It, it this is america so Okay, let me let me let me ask you this. So uh-huh. this is this is um so for those of you that have not actually voted, and, and I imagine that our listeners have voted. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you voted, you may not understand the whole process in and of itself. Like, have you ever shown up on the day of to vote and you're like, I'm voting on the president, but then you get this sheet, somebody hands you a sheet and they're like, these are all the Democratic candidates for this. These are all the Republican candidates for this. And you're like, I don't know who the hell this is. So obviously we vote for the president every four years. Every four years. This is just let me (laughs) let me say this. This system, to your point, it's like you said, it's outdated. It's, again, American autocratic nonsense. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It is what it is, though. That's the issue. Is It is what it is. Mm-hmm. So most of these laws have been baked in. Mm-hmm. You, the people, can change these laws by voting people in who specifically vote to change these laws. Let's see, here's, 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 my, here's my point to that, right? So... Okay, black people show up for Obama the first election, right? Two years in, there's another election. It's not for his seat. It's not for his job, right? It's for the House, the Senate, you know. How? So my my question for you, Frank, uh-huh. because you know your background as a poli sci major, but not just that, having actually worked on campaign trails, working with the Black Pack, things of that nature, is it doesn't help us if we end up with a Democratic president and then, per se, uh, you know, a Republican-controlled House or Senate. And because, like, now, the, if all of you remember back in school when you learned about the three branches of government, and, you know, the judicial, the executive, and, and all that. 
legislative. The legislative. Yes. They were supposed to be set as checks and balances for one another. Checks and balances. Yes. President can't make a decision, and then like that's God's law. It has to be ratified by, by the other groups. You yes. know. And then the, the judicial system has to <laughs> make sure everything that the presidential and the legislative is doing is legal right. by law. But we run into these these situations now where and like a lot of people be like, oh, what did Obama do for black people? And then, but but the issue is you have a Democratic president, a Republican-led House per se, and there's a lot of difficulty in getting certain things passed or certain things pushed through or certain things executed. And the, the whole, and let's be honest, the bipartisan system doesn't really represent us as human beings. Now, let me, let me explain my, my thought process around yeah, this. Sure. And I, I had this conversation with several people recently. We as human beings like to put labels on shit. When you meet somebody, you're like, you, 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 the way that you remember them is by imparting a frame of reference yeah. to them. The name itself bartender. is hard, but the drink that they drink or the shirt yeah, that they as, wear. As a bartender. Easy. So we had this dude, I, 100% honest truth. My very first bartending job, we had this one guy that came in. Every, he came in four out of five days, like during the week. Like Monday through Friday, he was there four out of five days. And he would always order a Corona. I never knew this dude's name. I would ask him his name. I would forget it. It was terrible. Guy, but he's always. Corona but he guy. was Corona guy. He's Corona guy. I knew him as Corona guy to the point where when he came in, he would sit down. I would crack a Corona. I'd open his tab and just type in Corona guy. That's mm-hmm. how we knew his tab. That's how it rolled. For those of you that don't work in the service industry, that's how we label shit in service industry. Uh, three ladies right corner. Because uh, <laughs> it makes things simple, and that's so. It's interesting <laughs> but, you say that because. That's what it leads to, to me. It's it's a it's a fight against simplicity by the current government. They like to be big and they like to be bloated. Mm-hmm. They like to be more complicated. It makes their jobs feel important to make it more difficult than it needs to be for... And it's important to their survival as well mm-hmm. than it needs to be than for people to be able to just vote and do this. But the other part is, and this is the part that I want to address specifically, uh-huh. we don't know enough. You know, we, we watch Housewives. We know all of their names. We watch basketball. We know all of their names. You know what I'm saying? We watch Game of Thrones, which is highly complicated, and we don't necessarily know all of their names, but we do the research and we're trying to figure it out and all of that. Yeah. But the people that actually control your lives, you constantly go through life without knowing their names. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm starting to teach and preach yeah. myself is the idea of like, yo, civic engagement. You should be voting for the people that are important at your kid's school. Yeah. As well as the people that are important in the police department, as well as your civic managers and stuff. This it should be a part of your life. So, okay, here's my question to you. I feel like that's a failure of the education system. Now, no, 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 no let me run this back. At no point in the 12 years that you are required to go to school, as far as like first grade through 12th grade, yes. Are we truly taught like like, civics is a is an elective in most most schools, most districts, or most places that you go to. But this is one of the most important things. So just along the same lines of where like you don't learn economics. I mean, when you when you go to economics class, you learn macro and microeconomics, but you don't learn certain fiscal 
and fiduciary duties that you may have, I feel like there's they kind of gloss over the election piece, right? Well, you vote for the president. I remember my very first time, quote unquote, voting. It wasn't a real vote because I wasn't 18 yet. It was when I was a kid. Okay. My dad was in the military, and we lived on Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. And my parents went to vote, and they had this line for the kids to get into and go, okay. quote, unquote, cast their votes. Wow. And for me, it was just like, I have a chance. Like, as, as a kid, you have this this broad imagination that, you know, you can influence and affect and da 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 And we can as adults as well, but it was just the, the first time I remember um, the whole like voting process, <clears throat> but there was no, there was nothing that expounded upon that incident. There was nothing through my schooling years that said, Hey, you have to pay attention, not only to just the president and the Senate and, you know, the, you know, the legislature and all that, but also not just your governor and your mayor for your city. There's all of these other seats that you have to be cognizant of. And this is important because let's be honest, you're yeah. going to Atlanta in a couple of days, days. to work on the runoffs down runoffs. there in Atlanta. So now you've got to inspire people to get back off their asses and come back out and cast their vote Even again. though they have fatigue. Yes. Even though they have fatigue. I had fatigue. I, <laughs> I, I slept 12 days the day before yesterday. I was waiting for that because that's how I normally, sometimes I get that day where I'm just like, and what happened was, my allergies were acting up. If you know me, every once in a while, I have these bad, bad allergy attacks. It's like twice a year, but it's like really, really bad. Yeah. And it just always happens. Mm-hmm. And I never can predict it. And it doesn't matter how many pills I take or anything like that. And I try not to do that anyway. But I took a, a Benadryl. And next thing you know. It's eight hours later. I go back to sleep. It's three <laughs> hours later. And then I go to sleep again. And it's like another two hours later. I'm like, wow. But I needed that because I was working 60 hours a week, 77 hours a week, 82 hours a week by the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because. But you were running the campaigns at this point. I was you were by managing this point, people I'm and just dealing like with people grinding. and their pay work, their, their payroll and. The information, the dispersal, I have to do quality control checks, make sure the quality control checks actually work. Also make sure that COVID, you know, is dealt with. So we have to enter background checks for people. We have to do daily health checks for people. We have to pass out PPE. We have to make sure we have enough PPE. We have to do inventory. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. But back to your original point, we we did it. We didn't win in North Carolina. We yeah. raised the vote. You know what I mean? Yeah. I said the vote was higher than a lot of people, I think, anticipated. Yes. Um, and I feel like, ironically, we could do a recount. But, <laughs> but jokes aside, though, you know, North Carolina was going to be hard because there's a lot of people in North Carolina that fit that demographic. And that's where we go back to, once again, geopolitical so that, that that's one thing I wanted to talk about, geopolitical demographics. So what kind of threw me off, what, what really fucked me up for this election was um, when I was looking at the maps <laughs> and I was looking at the areas that were blue and the areas that were not just the states, not just specifically the states, but the areas. If you go onto your maps and then you click on a state, right, and you would see like 
Charlotte was blue. Mm-hmm. Raleigh was blue. Durham was blue. Hell, even Greensboro, I think, was blue. But then you have the vast majority of the state that's red. And while they're not a, there's not as much population concentrated in those specific areas, the breadth of those areas tallies. It's a big population. Exactly. And so it was funny to see, like, you know, when you click on a state like North Carolina and the state is red when you first see it, and you click on the state and then, like, North Carolina, uh, Charlotte's blue, Raleigh's blue, Durham's blue, Greensboro's blue. And then the rest Asheville, of the state, I think, might be blue. Asheville was blue. They're a little hippie up there, too. Yeah. Asheville might have been blue. But then, like, the rest of the state. And so, but the rest of the state is all these super rural areas of, like, like, have you ever been to Highlands, North Carolina? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so, I've been to some of these places <laughs> because of this campaigning stuff. Otherwise, that I would never be in. You know what I mean? But, but remember remember the map of Georgia that they were showing on CNN? Yes. And it was like Atlanta. They were showing like the Atlanta market and, you know, all the counties that make up Atlanta. And it was like 80% blue, 20% red. But then you looked at the... To- and then also you threw in Augusta, Savannah... That's the but then you throw in the totality of the state. But it's funny because those are super rural areas. But also, if you looked at the, the metrics and the demographics. I hope you're about to say what I think you're going to say. There was also a piece of, like, education that went That's into it key. as yes, well. Exactly. The higher educated people were, yes. the more of a percentage that voted blue than they did red. And college centers as well. Exactly. So we saw these college centers. And that's why Greensboro fits in there as well. You know, the interesting, again, it, this... These geopolitical like demographics and stuff. This is nerd stuff, but this is what powers it because yeah. you're really trying to figure out for now how do you win elections? And so, so I'm so check this out, right? I'm gonna give a little bit of history here. So, um, basically, politics for me started with Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton was this Southern, smooth Democrat with some, you know, conservative ideas, but also progressive ideas that took the world by storm. And people loved him. But what happened was the Republicans got tired of losing to this guy. So they came up with this plan that the Electoral College is how you win, not popular votes. It is. And so that's in the Constitution. That's how it works. So that's what they committed to. And in 2000, George W. Bush proves this to be correct. Yeah. He's like, yo, I can lose. But there was a lot of smoke and clouds surrounding his election. And you talk about smoke and clouds. That was serious (laughs) smoke and clouds because what it was is it was like what Trump is doing now, but more focused and closer. Yeah. It's like we have connects in Florida. This is going to be close. Yeah. If we can get this to be. Florida was the big thing. If we can get this to come down to Florida, we can get our connects to push us over the finish line. Mm. And so that's that that's how that went. And it Mm. actually happened that way because they had the secretary of state in the bag. His brother was the governor. That's Mm -hmm. in the bag. You know what I mean? Supreme Court bends conservative. That's in the bag. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then. The thing that happens with George W. Bush is he pushes the presidency to the brink. It's, it's people going broke. It's war in two countries. The Republicans are super rich, so they're already fat and fed. You know yeah. what I mean? Who's going to clean up this mess? Who is going to clean up this mess? The idea of most people is it's going to be Hillary Clinton. 
But people were like, I'm tired of the Clintons. I'm tired of the Bushes. I'm tired of the this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because we had we had one Bush, and then we had the Clintons, and then we had another Bush. And so you- <laughs> the idea of going to another Clinton already, especially this lady that people had already decided she was going to run for president one day. As soon yeah. as she stepped to the scene, they're like, she's the one that made Bill Clinton president, so she's going to run for president one day. Yeah. So already that works against her. Instead, you had this charming black dude. And what was funny is I cut my teeth with the Kerry campaign. Okay. Politically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in school up in H-Town. Yeah. H-Town represent. Hold it dying, H-Town. Hold it dying, H-Town. But nonetheless, um, what happened was I worked in Texas for a campaign office for Kerry. Yeah. But I saw how the fundraising aspect of it worked. Because we were throwing like parties and we were trying to suck as much money out of Texas and the surrounding Southwest as we could okay to divert to different places okay you know what I mean it's like these people got money they're not gonna win we're not gonna be here we're not gonna I, my job is to tell you we're not going to do much in the way of buttons and signs and stuff but <laughs> okay. you can do your good in the state that George Bush is going to win by putting your money and your chips in New Mexico or in Ohio or in Pennsylvania, these swing states. So, some, some, so something that you just said there kind of threw me off. Not yeah, threw me off, it but, but, it, but it, sparked, wow. it sparked something in me. So I remember reading during this election, and I forget what state it was, but they were like, Trump will claim at least three electoral college votes from this state. And I was always under the impression, and this just goes to the ignorance of the voting process for us, and and I'm willing to admit this, I was ignorant of this particular fact. I was always of the, the mindset that if a candidate won a certain state, their popular vote, that 100% of the electoral college votes go to that particular candidate. But then this particular state had, I think, five electoral college votes, and they were like three for Trump and two for Biden. And on the one hand, I'm a little bit confused because like, hey, wait a minute, the system said if the the state is blue, it's blue. But on the flip side, I feel like that's also maybe a little bit more indicative of the popular vote where it's like, you know, three-fifths of these people voted for this person, so let's rep that. How... What is your thought process on how the Electoral College votes break down and how all this stuff works? See, this is where I wish I had some of my refresher notes. Okay. So there are states like Maine and Nebraska. Okay. Where specifically, no. (laughs) Specifically, no. They have electoral votes in their city that are going to, I mean, in their state that are going to separate. And so, like, the city center of, like, Omaha, Nebraska, I believe, goes blue, and then the rest of it goes red, if mm-hmm. that. Or usually a dog goes red, you know. But And then Maine, something similar. Yeah, okay. Th- those are the two states I recall, mm-hmm. Maine and Nebraska. So, so like, for me, the reason I ask that is because, like, a state like North Carolina that went red. But if we're looking at the numbers, marginally really went red. Well, there are certain states that will... Like, exert their right to say the same thing. They'll be like, yes, he got this many electoral votes percentage-wise mm-hmm. compared to his. Mm-hmm. 
And so we're going to pledge these electoral votes that go to him. To him. To, 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 him. The, to the And person. then we're going to pledge these to the other one. But okay. the fact that there's more for the winner means the state gets them all anyway still. So, I mean, so my question is, are we at a point where the popular vote should win out? Let, like, like, let's look at that. I, want, I don't know what the numbers are today, but like Biden was at 70 the million is, and Trump the, was at 68 million. I'm going to keep million. it 100 with you. I'm going to keep it all the way. People not smart enough for that? No. The issue is how far can fascism work? You know what I mean? Can fascism go? I don't know. Ask Russia. I mean, Russia's, <laughs> Russia's actually more communist, communist but, still, but, yeah. but he still has fascist ideals, and you see what's going on over yeah. there. The, the interesting question is, can Trump really affect an election with anti-democratic values and decisions that make people do things that have never been done before in America? Mm-hmm. Theoretically, the answer is no, but it's 2020, and so I don't want to stoke fear in the people, but, like, we don't know. We don't know. But you just said the key word right there, fear. 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 So fear is, like, the great motivator, right? Fear is this man is going to come take this from you, and this person is going to do that to you, and da 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 And that's how a lot of these politicians, not specifically just Republican, but Democrats as well, but like the, the, the whole, to me, when I look at the system, it's always like fear. Fear is the great motivator. What can you lose? What can this person take from you? I I remember when they were talking about, oh, Joe Biden's going to raise taxes. Joe Biden's going to raise taxes. Yes. And that's kind of been a hallmark of the Democratic Party in general, raising taxes yeah. to and offset do, and certain to be things. honest, they do raise taxes. Yeah. They raise taxes on the rich because that's an easy way to make money. Right. But that's the, that was the point right there. The rich. And so there were and so happens, many. Yeah. There were so many people because like certain rappers came out and was like, "I'm voting Republican. That's gonna fuck with my pockets." And it is going. It, it's look, gonna, it's gonna fuck with their pockets. Look, you make six hundred eighty grand a year. <laughs> you should pay a hundred grand a year. Like my money really be affected in those numbers. The fact the fact that the one percent pays nowhere near the amount of taxes that the general population yeah, does like, is asinine. Rich. You rich, and so one of the privileges of being rich is you don't have to pay your fair share in taxes. Like, that's a bridge too far. You understand. We talk about, like, make America great again, quote, unquote. That's Trump's whole tagline, right? And the greatness of America. You know how much the everyday average human being pays in taxes to fix the roads in their city, to build bridges, to to, to support the transportation systems, the education system. If the 1% had to pay their fair share and not hide behind tax shells and business losses Which is not and fair. other pieces, do you understand how much better the everyday average township or city would actually be? How much more funding could actually go into your state? How much, you know, in your in your cities, you know, the, the infrastructure that takes how it took them 22 years to build 485. That is bullshit. And that's the thing. <laughs> like, like saying be fair. Pay your fair share in taxes makes the rich people lose their mind. They like, no, no, I don't want to be fair. I don't want but to. But their argument is, share. I worked for this, but hasn't everyone worked for Everybody's this? Everybody's working for it. Like that's the thing that hits me. Like you know, it, it's crazy. So like this last political job, they kept giving me raises, and mm-hmm. so I'm watching how as my raises go up, the taxes taken up goes up. Yo, crazy, and I'm like, okay. Let's see what happens this time. 
Let's see what happens this time. Mm-hmm. Bruh. Your take home varied a little bit, but not as much as you thought it would. You didn't make that much more money than you thought you was going to make. It's no, because the taxes go up. And actually what happens with Democrats is middle class, you make more of that money. Mm -hmm. And rich, you make less of that money. Mm -hmm. And then the Democrats do tax and spend. What's funny to me is that a lot of these stereotypes are true. Yeah. And they both need just more competition. I don't think you need to get rid of the Republican Party. I think you need to scale in this Trumpism. But I do think that the actual ideals of Republicanism are important. And more black people would be Republican if they were more willing to embrace ideals that affected black people mm-hmm. instead of rich people. But that's so that, so that was the point I was making earlier, right? Some of you probably the hair is just raised on the back of your necks when he said that. But but so here's the here's what I was mentioning about the bipartisan system being outdated, right? No, you can't come so as complex as human beings are, facts. You can't just come up with a yes or no answer for shit. Right? Some a lot of what we do in our day-to-day as human beings operates in the gray area. But our political system is one of you're either blue or red. And don't get me wrong, there's like the Green Party and you know libertarian and all that other stuff but those those make up such a small amount of the actual vote that all it does is really offset votes from one candidate or another or or take them away but the 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 the, the whole belief system like and that's what i was getting at with labels we label somebody as like female caucasian bartender bubbly high energy right that's that's how we quantify them and it's and it's not fair to the female caucasian bubbly high energy bartender because she's so much more than that our political system is not designed for us it it is literally a system of the lesser of two evils like i'm gonna to a degree to a degree and and i know i see the face you're making but like let's be honest like joe biden wins the popular vote he wins let's say he wins the election right i'm not i'm not under any pretense that joe biden is going to be this transcendent president that's going to lead us into this era of prosperity that's never before seen in the Americas. I hope he does, but I'm, I'm more happy at the fact that that means that Trump lost. I'm excited about the fact of seeing, you know, an, an African American female on the ballot and also some of her politics that I do agree with some of her politics. I don't agree with, but we have to weigh out. What do I agree with, with Biden? What do I not agree with, with Biden? What do I agree with, with Trump? What do I not agree with with Trump? And that becomes the argument, right? And neither one of them is the perfect candidate. Well, of course. But the reason I push back on that is because I've been like, I'm independent. And I am independent. Mm-hmm. I, But the independents never really truly have a chance to well, win. And so the issue for me is, the reason I'm independent is because I pick my politics based on myself, my family, my situation, things of that nature. Correct. As any as any individual should. should and all individuals should. Um but historically, if you look at Barack Obama presidency and Bill Clinton presidency versus mm-hmm. George Bush presidency and Donald Trump presidency and the other Bush <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm, I, you know yeah. what I mean? I I don't really know enough about that. Okay. You know what I mean? Reagan is all historical. Yep. But 
I, I don't want to even go into that because that that's that's more complex than. But if you, but if you but if you look at the presidencies that you can remember from my lifetime, lifetime, from your experience, my there lifetime. hasn't been a positive impact from the. No, there's been super negative impact from Republicans. Correct. It has been super like aggressive in terms of. You know, we've gone to war, splitting, we've had deficits in the yeah. national, you know, budgets, uh, the the debt, the police the national situation, debt, police yeah. situations. In those Republican presidencies, you've seen more of that than you tax have. cuts for the rich, bomb military. You know what I mean? Industrial complex, prison industrial complex. With Barack Obama, at least if you look at it, like let's let's do environmental accords, let's have a stimulus package, let's. You know, do like um, healthcare. You know what I mean? It's a different goal, and these yeah. things actually benefit a lot of people, whether they know it or not. People that are Republican benefit from Democratic, Democratic presidents. Yes. So you know what? So I'm, I'm glad you said that because that brings up, and, and we're starting to run up on our time here. So I'm gonna make yeah, this no quick. No doubt. No doubt. Um, one of one of the thoughts that I've always had about this is the carryover effect of previous politics, right? So when you look at, um, you look at, say, the, the Clinton administration, and you look at the elimination of the U.S. debt, and then you look at the following Bush um, uh, party the, being yeah. in the house, Bush. and then, you know, yeah. wars and things of this nature, and then the deficit that we enter. But the deficit truly did not hit its deepest valley until the presidency of Obama in the first year of, you know, 2008 and watching the market crash. But all of those things were machinations that kind of happened prior to that. The real estate housing markets and, you know, the effect of that and, and everything that it had on the economy and then the drop. And yes, we did have a second drop in 2011 as well. But the general effects of once Obama had people in place to actually make legislature and to benefit the country, we saw a rise. And then yes. into the Trump presidency, we continue to see rises in, you know, the markets and things of that nature, but not specifically because of the work that Trump did. It's always this effect of carryover from kind of the, the last administration that's been in place and the things that they've put into place that have benefited the the market in general. You know, the handling of the COVID-19 disaster, the handling of a lot of things, I feel like personally have put the U.S. in an even deeper hole than we may have initially been in due to certain decisions that were made, you know, prior to that. And again, we can talk about the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and, and things of that nature, but I'm talking about the everyday individual that's out here living. Well, that's the important thing to talk about. That's ultimately where the success of America lies. Um, S&P going to do all right. Always. We've seen that. We've Always. seen that. that there, there's stay-at-home stocks. There's, mm -hmm. you know, on-the-road stocks. There's, yep. you know, long-term investments, short-term investments. Correct. They've proved themselves from this nonsense political situation because they learned at a certain but the, point. But the political parties use that information. And that's the key. They are using information to affect people to get numbers. We have to do a better job of staying engaged and making sure that our government works the way it should. Mm -hmm. That's the point that we're missing out on. No matter 
who you vote for or not vote for or don't even engage in is going to control your life. And so at a certain point, we got to stop acting like there's an option to not be engaged at all when it's constantly affecting us. It does not matter if you don't vote or you do vote if the people in charge are, are destroying your lives. What's more important is to get engaged and take a hold of this one. This is this is your representation. It's not just the vote. It's also the canvassing. It's also the volunteering. It's also the getting people involved. It's also the people running. It's also having people that you know that are in these hallowed halls of Congress. At a certain point as black people, we do need to understand that this two-party system does not effectively work for us. Correct. But it is a part of the system. So we we need to make sure that we are engaged enough that we can affect this two-party system for now to have the actual infrastructure to go forward future-wise for progress for not just ourselves but our children where they live in a world where it's not this two-party system it's not this oppression that they actually are a part of this system and engaged and winning for themselves and their family in a way that unfortunately after years and years of fighting and obstruction we're still not winning we're still not in a position where we can get things we need done to solve and and persecute murders against innocent people by the police. I don't want to bring in this whole defund police nonsense because the fact of the matter is we know that these police are not trained properly and killing black people in a way that's never happened before. And so don't say it's about defund police. It's not about defund police. No, this is about black people being killed in a way that should not happen so to to that point messaging to that point even when people say defund police to me so okay there's always been these kind of as 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 black people we always have these ideals and we feel like we have to fit into that kind of either malcolm or martin kind of argument to to a degree yes you're right so we gotta be smarter yeah and so like my my whole process my whole thought process has been that the answer lies somewhere in between it's not all militant but it's not all passive or it's not all you know we have to we have to build infrastructure for ourselves but as it pertains to things like defunding the police i don't i I don't care if you defund or fund the police if you're going to keep them funded my whole thing is rerouting that funding to effective measures to provide better future so what i mean by this Mm -hmm. is if you if you so my father is ex-military there's not a day in my father's life when he was a part of the U.S. military, a part of the Air Force, that he could show up to work out of shape or not aware as to like what his responsibilities, his duties were. When you when you become a police officer, you have to pass fitness tests. You have to fast. You used to. All the, used, to. used to. But then you look at these guys that have been on the force for 15, 20 fucking years, overweight, they're not going to run after you to tackle somebody. They're going to shoot a brother. This is my point. This is my point. What I'm saying is specifically, like, this is specific tactics to make us not think and not deal with super important topics. 
Yeah. Instead, it's like this is a catchphrase. You vote for it, you vote against it, and it's all boiled down into nonsense. Yeah. What I'm talking about is we have to stop as a community falling for these tactics. This needs to be more complicated than that, but it also needs to be about sustainability for our children. Ultimately, any of this, all of this needs to be about how can we make our world better and get back to a path for our children to be great. Yeah. Stop with the selfishness. Stop with the nonsense. I get it. It's important for us to have, like, you know, health care, to have education, to have clean water and things like that. I get that. That's the important thing. But y'all don't get that. So if you're not going to get that, then let's at least worry about the children. You know what I mean? Let's worry about what is going on with their schools. Not the bars, if we can keep the bars open. We're bartenders. I get that. That's that's yeah. important. That's, and that's our livelihood. That's our livelihood. And so that's really crucial. But more important is the world that we're leaving behind, the legacy that we're leaving behind. It takes a little bit of like knocking that selfishness off realizing that yes we're part of the problem we've doomed ourselves so there is going to be some pain and some penalty for the things that we've done but the kids don't deserve that and i'm keeping it 100 like you know what i mean i don't know how fast things will get turned around for us especially as a people i don't know how long it's going to take to get the cops to stop standing on our necks yeah. and snapping our necks and shooting us in the back. I don't know how long that's going to take, but that should still be the goal ultimately. And even if we don't achieve it now, that should be the fight. You know, economic equality, honestly, are we going to achieve that now? I don't know. So I had a, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going to be my last yeah, point slash question. Out, <laughs> no, this is going to be my last point slash question, but um, I had a conversation with one of my friends over the weekend and, uh, you know, they just said that they were they were sick and tired of being patient. And it's funny because um, when you look at history, our length of, of lives that we live throughout history is but a blink in creation. With that being said, our perception is reality for us. And, you know, what we've had to endure, what our parents had to endure, what our grandparents had to endure in different ways are, are, are different. But it, for us, it seems like a long time, like it's been a long time coming. But then you look back at the history books and you're talking like the civil rights movement, things like that. We're only in the 60s. We're 60 years removed from the civil rights movement, you know, we weren't people we couldn't vote we couldn't do this we couldn't do that and it's funny because like our generation and, and I'm going to be honest with you um, the generation just behind us so you and I are both in our 30s and uh, it's funny to look at my wife's um, sister her youngest sister or to look at my youngest sister and their tolerance for things or lack thereof their belief in things like there's a there's a, a large belief that like we don't tolerate this this shit has to change today it has to change tomorrow but then when we look at the systems that we work within 
and they're still run by 60, 70 year old white dudes, which again, you know, I said it, if you're offended, whatever, fuck out of here. But like, you know, there was, there was a thing a couple weeks back, a couple months back where everybody, like a bunch of black people were up in arms about, um, Biden saying something about, um, Hispanic culture being deeper than black culture. And we were all offended or they had something to that effect. And we were all offended and we we're all up in arms. But it's for me, it's like I'm not even shocked when some old white dude says something like that simply because let's be honest, like as a 30 something year old black man, how much change have we witnessed? There's there's things that you could say 10 years ago, five years ago that just aren't OK, that you you just can't say today. I remember watching um Eddie Murphy, one of his stand-ups from the 80s. And no, raw was raw. Raw. Delirious. It was wow. It was literally raw. It was <laughs> Shout out to Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Eddie Murphy is the GOAT. But I was literally but watching. Yeah. But I was watching Raw and I was like, oh my God. You, you can't, can't say, say that, that you shit. You can't say that. And so it's like me as a 33-year-old black man, I'm like, for me to keep up with all the shit I can and can't do that would might have been cool two, three years ago that ain't cool right now. And maybe it wasn't even cool then, but it was just kind of like, it's like, you know, how black people say the word nigga and ain't really cool for everybody to say, but you, but you know, we say nigga. It's one of those things where like at 70 years old, I can't really expect that white man to adapt to that. And Oprah said it a few years ago. We won't see certain degrees of change until they all die. But <laughs> the issue is that they leaving behind the ideology with the young people. That's where we're at right now. And we're not leaving them behind an ideology with the young people of excellence and, yeah. and fight. So I'm glad you saying? picked that up for me. Yeah. It's it's really tough because this political correctness is the still same battle. Like we're talking about these, we were saying earlier, these Confederate flags. You know what I mean? Yeah. They still want it. They still know they can't say nigger and will be on camera and <laughs> can't stop and not say nigger. You know what I'm Look, saying? I, like, like I said, on the on the, it, it, you can't ride through Germany and see a Nazi swastika. That shit is illegal. People really Look can't hide their racism. Like you look in America in 2020. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about it's heritage, not hate, but it's a heritage that's built on hate. It was literally built on keeping people enslaved. Like people don't have the discipline to not be racist. Instead, now people want to be a little bit more racist, want to push racist buttons more like America would be better if we could be a little bit more racist. This is the political <laughs> ecosystem that we exist in. And our president isn't willing to denounce that. No, not only is he not willing to denounce that, he is a symbolism of that. Let's keep it 1,000. He's a symbolism of know your black votes don't count in Clark County, Nevada, which is my Philadelphia County, Pennsylvania, which is my hometown. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Michigan, Wisconsin. He like, nah. Honestly, he's like, fuck y'all black people and y'all vote. I tried to say I liked y'all and I was the best president since Abraham Lincoln and you voted for Joe Biden, so fuck your vote. And he's yeah. trying to, that's his. That's what it's come down to now. These cities where black people didn't vote for him, I don't count your county. But that goes back to what I'm saying and because we're almost at the end here, full circle. The issue is that America is at its most American through the lives of black people because unlike a lot of people that can go back to 
their Italian roots or their Irish roots or they remember when they came here. All we have is America. You know, we are systematically tied and shipped to America and built this infrastructure of excellence and built the greatness, whether it's music, whether it's business, whether it's economy, whether it's entertainment. So, 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 whether it's infrastructure. And again, this is railroads. Not trying to like limit what you're saying. Plantations. There's, there's no countries. American. There's no American experience like the Black American experience. Because we're not. not here by choice. It's not even the fact that we're not here by choice. It's but the it's reality we that we are. This experience, this country is us. Facts. As a result of how it went down, we don't have the ties that other people have. We have this country and we built this country. We built, again, these plantations and the railroads and the infrastructure and the sports, the basketball, the football, even the stock that we talk about would not exist without our contributions to the economy itself that would not be what it is without us this country not only owes us a debt because of the foundation of it this country can't escape us no matter how hard they try this is us this this is pretty much our country because we're the ones that unlike everybody else is tied directly to the roots and foundations of everything in this country from jazz to your football to your stock markets to your agricultural system and until we get the situation where we're not just at the table but we are acknowledged as a foundation of this country is going to be a fight because that's what the fight is for. Yeah. They don't want us to have our place. 40 acres and a mule is just a representation of the fact that we aren't going to give you any of this because of the fact that we know what it is. Yeah. So it's our job to stay engaged and even if we decide we don't want to fight sometimes, we're tired, we'll leave, we'll come back, whatever, whatever. This is still our hometown. This is ours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus pop culture type stuff. You know what I mean? Gets millions and millions of people based off of culture that is deeply indebted from the Patti LaBelle's and the DJ Premier's and the Snoop's and the DMX's that when you watch ESPN, they go out on DMX tracks. This is our country, and the fight continues. So we, we was listening to a Target commercial that had "This is how we do it" by Montel George. Twenty something years later, this is our country, and the fight is about acknowledging that. Look, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate y'all tuning in with us here at the Tipping Point. Once again, it's your boy Dashawn Lamar. And it's your boy, Philly Frank. Look, if you are not listening to the Frankly Speaking podcast, if you have not tuned in to the Frankly Speaking podcast, and that is Frankly Speaking with a PH, not an PH, like as in Philly, like the Philadelphia Phillies, Philly. Philly, where I am. Please tune in. Please tune in to my man's Philly Frank over at the Frankly Speaking podcast because you're going to get this and a whole lot more. Look, I appreciate you being here today, my dude. Like I said, you, you big bro to me. 
and, and I love you. I know we don't say that enough. You gotta give you gotta give people their flowers where they're here. You know what it is. Look, we uh we look forward to talking to y'all next time. Uh this was the tipping point. Peace out.